Powered by Righteous Media. Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 211. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. It's the one-year anniversary of the war in Ukraine. And the President of the United States just went there on a secret overnight train. And this is definitely a time to stay vigilant. Nearly one year ago, I spoke at the Royal Castle here in Warsaw, just weeks after Vladimir Putin had unleashed his murderous assault on Ukraine. The largest land war in Europe since World War II had begun. And the principles that have been the cornerstone of peace, prosperity, and stability on this planet for more than 75 years were at risk of being shattered. One year ago, the world was bracing for the fall of Kyiv. Well, I just come from a visit to Kyiv, and I can report Kyiv stands strong. So in the dark of night, taking a train for 10 hours into a war zone, into a space not controlled by American forces, President Biden made a massively important statement and inspired the world and countless Americans and Ukrainians. It was a bold, brave, necessary visit by Biden. And it couldn't happen at a more important time. And I was very happy and proud to see this overdue signal of support and solidarity for the people of Ukraine. It was a truly presidential move by our president on our President's Day. And that is what leadership and what partnership looks like. People of Ukraine, one year into your war for freedom, we've got your back. Now more than ever. That was the message that was sent from America to Ukraine, to the world, and to Putin. Because stakes is high. And people of Ukraine, we're on board this train with you for the long haul. Slava Ukraine. Stakes are so high in Ukraine right now, and they're still high for the American military in other parts of the world, especially for our troops. Ukraine is still at war. But so is America. The forever war is a train that we got on and never got off. You probably didn't see this this week. But in northeastern Syria, an ISIS senior leader was killed. And four U.S. service members and a working dog were wounded in a helicopter raid. Three of the service members are now in stable condition, as is the working dog. And the fourth troop suffered minor injuries and returned to duty. But most people probably didn't realize we were conducting combat operations in Syria. And three of the troops and the dog are receiving treatment in a medical facility in Iraq. 
where we've also still got U.S. troops, but most Americans don't know that either. These troops and this dog will have a long and winding track to recovery. And that track may include facing mental health injuries. And there was important news this week on that front as well. As Senator John Fetterman, the newly elected senator from Pennsylvania, checked himself into a hospital to seek treatment for clinical depression. And I want to make sure to mention this because it was a brave decision by Fetterman, one that I think will save lives and a historic one in the ongoing quest to reduce the stigma of mental health. Mental health is key to total health. And that's a message we've been working to communicate, especially to the military and vets community for decades. Brave voices across the military and veterans community have stepped forward to share their stories and set powerful and courageous examples for all troops and vets and for civilians. We've lost too many friends to depression and PTSD. And leaders like Fetterman are trailblazing heroes. Stepping forward to talk about mental health is a tremendous demonstration in leadership and in strength. We've talked about mental health a lot on this show, and I want to reiterate. If you're facing any mental health challenges, you're not alone. Many of us have been through it, and help is out there. Reaching out for help helps. And it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. And there are options to civilians and vets that everyone should save and share with anyone in their network. Check out crisistextline.org and veteranscrisisline.net. I'll also link to them in the show notes and post them on social. Let's all look out for each other and stay vigilant. Senator John Fetterman won maybe the biggest and most contested election of the last cycle. And in a few minutes, we'll talk to another guy who wants to do the same. A guy who's also faced his own mental health challenges and tried to pave a way for others. Because it's officially, already, election season. Another crazy election season. And whether we like it or not, we're all on board now. All aboard! <laughs> I, 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 Crazy train of election season is barreling through Arizona and plenty of other states. But before we get to that, the election of 2024 will, of course, be pivotal for and decided by independent Americans. And there's some news on that front, too, that I want to share. It's like a freight train that continues to gain steam. There's lots of momentum happening nationwide for open primaries. Finally, it's about stopping the disenfranchisement of millions of independent Americans. It's also about making our elections better and more fair. It's something everyone should support, including Democrats and Republicans. It's about letting us all vote. And the New Mexico Senate just passed a semi-open primary election bill in a bipartisan 27 to 10 vote. Folks at New Mexico Open Elections have been leading the effort, and it looks like they're going to push this vote to victory in the Senate. And it would allow independent voters to vote in the major party primary of their choice. This is big news 
because it opens the door for legal challenges of every statute in every state's electoral code that discriminates against independent voters. And we're going to need it because, meanwhile, attacks on open primaries continue. The Idaho GOP is pushing a new rule to further limit who can vote in the Republican primary that can move all of Idaho into further minority rule extremism. One way to right this wrong would be to adopt a nonpartisan system like they have in Alaska, Nebraska, or Washington. We've covered it on this show in multiple episodes, including the one with John Updike from Open Primaries that you should check out. But change is underway all across the country. Lots of independent organizations and candidates are trying to harness and lead the rising independent movement. It's a steam engine that continues to gain momentum. And as we've covered in depth on this show, that also includes the newly created Forward Party. You heard it here from co-founder and former Republican Governor Christy Todd Whitman, and you heard it from former Democratic candidate for president and mayor Andrew Yang. Go check out those episodes if you haven't already. Now, they tried to make their case to independence. And now they have a new partner slash boss slash CEO. And they may be continuing to barrel further and further down the wrong track. Forward Party has a new CEO. And it's a person named Lindsay Williams-Drath. Now, I've never heard of her before, but I learned that Williams-Drath served as the managing director of engagement at Forward Party. She's an insider who oversaw external communications, events, and development. And here is the key, in my view, according to their own press release. Lindsay spent almost 20 years in GOP politics, including senior roles at the DRSC, the RNC, Team Boehner, and Romney for president. So that doesn't inspire any more confidence for me in the forward party's ability to attract truly independent voters. To me, it just sounds like more of the same. Republican and Democratic operatives who just recently decided to change their jersey and come on over to the independent side. But we'll see. We'll see what they can do. And we'll see more candidates for president, definitely on the Republican and maybe the Democratic side. But that crazy train, especially the one on the right, will be gaining new cars every week for the next year and a half or so. Last week, it was Nikki Haley who joined the train. This week, it's Vivek Ramaswamy. Who the heck is that? Well, here, have a listen. We're in the middle of a national identity crisis. Faith, patriotism, and hard work have disappeared, only to be replaced by new secular religions like COVIDism, climatism, and gender ideology. We hunger to be part of something bigger than ourselves, yet we cannot even answer the question of what it means to be an American. Today, the woke left preys on that vacuum. They tell you that your race, your gender, and your sexual orientation govern who you are, what you can achieve, and what you're allowed to think. This is psychological slavery, and that has created a new culture of fear in our country that has completely replaced our culture of free speech in America. And that is why today I am announcing my run for President of the United States. All right, that's enough. Oh boy. Okay. So Vivek Ramaswamy is an entrepreneur, he's an author, and he's a conservative political activist. I'd never heard of him before, and you probably haven't either. But this time four years ago, we also hadn't heard of Andrew Yang or Pete Buttigieg. So while Vivek is unlikely to get the GOP nomination, in a few months, 
he might be a household name, for better or worse. Because here at home, America's train continues to weave off the tracks and on the tracks and off the tracks and on the tracks. And we continue to be divided. And it's definitely true in the GOP. But the races for 2024 are already unfolding. And they look nastier than ever. And independence will be more important than ever. And in no place will they be more important than in Arizona. And that's why I invited our guest in this episode to join us once again. He's a man who wants to be the next senator from the state that elected John McCain. The state that recently elected astronaut and Navy vet Mark Kelly. And the state that elected now self-proclaimed independent Kirsten Cinema. He's a Marine. He's a congressman. He's a Democrat. And if you're in Arizona and you're an independent, he wants your vote. He's Congressman Ruben Gallego, and he's jumping into this crazy train that is the 2024 election. Congressman Gallego joined us before on this show, back in episode 113 in May of 2021. I urge you to check it out. At that time, I asked him if he would run against Kirsten Cinema, and he said no. But since then, he's been a Democrat who represents the 7th District of Arizona, and I met him years before he was in elected office when he was an advocate for veterans, like myself, working on Capitol Hill to fight for a new GI Bill back in like 2007, 2008. If you don't know his story, it's an inspiring one. He was born in Chicago and raised by a single mother along with his three sisters. And he's now the father of a boy of his own with another kid on the way this summer. He'll tell you about that. Now, he rushed to join us from a car, and we do an interview over Zoom while he's also in transit, so it chops up at times. But hang in there. I think it's worth it because he's definitely on the move. Now, he might be up against Kirsten Cinema as an independent, who Republican John Thune has even implored to go further and actually cross the aisle and run as a Republican. But she'd have a hard time beating a hard-right Republican in either Blake Masters or Kerry Lake, who would likely be the opponent. So either way, it'll be Gallego from the left, someone else from the far right, but independents driving the train. Arizona is a glaring example of where partisan-controlled primaries are driving our elections into a deep and dark place. Arizona is an example of how the system is broken, especially for independents. Arizona currently has semi-closed primaries. That means Arizona taxpayers pay for two-party-controlled primaries, one for the Republicans and one for the Democrats. And independents and voters who haven't designated a party preference, which are the largest group in Maricopa County and the fastest-growing block of voters across the state, have to request one of the party ballots to vote. And most of them don't. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but the most obvious one is because it requires an extra step. Partisans who vote by mail get their ballots automatically. Others have to request a ballot, which is pretty easy to forget. If we had open primaries in Arizona, it would be different. With open primaries, all candidates are on one ballot, and all voters use the same ballot to vote. Candidates can designate their party preference if they want, but they're not grouped by party affiliation. And with a top two runoff, 
the top two vote getters from the primary go to the general election. It's a system that's now been adopted in California and Washington. Or you could have a top five open primary with ranked choice voting. Currently, one Republican and one Democrat face off in November. But with open primaries and ranked choice voting, the top five vote getters, regardless of their party affiliation, all advance to the general election. And the candidate with the broadest support from all voters is the winner. And since candidates are incentivized to appeal to a broader electorate, there is less negative advertising and more focus on the issues. Alaska adopted open primaries with top four ranked choice voting, and Nevada voted to implement open primaries and ranked choice voting too. There's a great piece that I'm reading from here and that I'm citing from Sarah Smallhouse, who is one of the directors at Save Democracy Arizona. I'll link to it in the show notes, and you should definitely check it out. But she makes a powerful case. All states with open primaries have seen extremism reduced, with the tenor of the campaigns getting better and voter engagement going up. We all want elections that treat voters and candidates the same, that honor civility and produce officials who focus on the issues that Arizonans and Americans really care about. And I'll ask Ruben Gallego specifically if he supports open primaries, and his answer may surprise you. It's another conversation with an important, inspiring American who's changing what America was, what it is, and what it will be. And it's led by the five cars in this train that drive everything we do, independence, integrity, information, inspiration, and impact. Biden's Rail Force One train inspired. While at the same time, a massive train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, has terrified. One train story has captivated the world and shown everyone how badass our military and secret service can be and how trusted our Ukrainian allies can be. The other train story created an oily inferno of burning vinyl chloride and chemicals floating all over Ohio that has people worried about their health and reminded about how much our infrastructure sucks. Two train stories of different kinds. And while most of us are observers to those two, we're all passengers on the bigger train story, the crazy train that is politics in America in 2023 and the upcoming election of 2024 that's barreling toward us like a runaway train of the most epic proportions. Meanwhile, on a parallel track, two old steam engines in Joe Biden and Donald Trump seem to continue to be on a collision course that could leave much of America in its wreckage. Welcome to another wild section of the wildest ride around. Mr. Toad ain't got nothing on this. Welcome to the crazy train. Welcome to Independent Americans. Train number 211. All aboard! gentlemen, independent Americans around the country and around the world. We are deep into the final weeks of winter, but things are already getting hot and we have a returning champion 
rejoining us on the show, who's in one of the hottest races in America, uh, a friend of the show, an old friend of mine, the great and powerful Congressman Ruben Gallego is back on Independent <laughs> Americans. Thank you, Paul. I need to hire you as my hype man. <laughs> hey, man, you know, you're going to need a good hype man because you're, you're in a battle. And oh, I'll, yeah. I want to get to that. I want to talk a little bit about Ukraine, if we can, maybe some vets yeah. issues and even Love to. Afghanistan. You're in a car on your way from one place to another. That's um, how I do it. Yeah. So first of all, I ask this of everybody, where are you and how are you, man? I'm good. I'm in South Phoenix, where I live. Uh, I'm on my way to the, my another appointment and then getting on a plane to go and do the funders you have to do for this campaign. I'm doing well. I mean, everything's kind of coming up fast running this Senate race. And as you know, I got a baby, baby girl coming in July. So spend some time uh, setting up the nursery this weekend and doing call time uh, at the same time, which I think is was an impressive uh, feat uh, by me and did not piss off my wife, which is even better. That is an impressive feat. And I know we just Thank were you. talking about working out. Congratulations on the baby on the way this Thank summer. You. I can, you're going to be a little older. Uh, than, than <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm going to say being an old dad is a challenge, but it, it's compounded by running for Senate. Um, let me ask you, you know, breaking news uh, from this week. Biden makes a surprise visit to Ukraine. Uh, yep. You know, you're a Marine Corps veteran. Uh, you've been around all of this for the last six years since you've been in Congress. What are your immediate reactions to Biden's visit to Ukraine? Well, first of all, knowing the way that he got in there, because uh, I've been to Ukraine recently. I was there about two months ago. Uh, it's not easy getting in the country. You have to take a very long 10-hour uh, train ride from Poland in there. The fact that he was willing to do it, the logistics of it were uh, able to do it. it. It really shows you it really shows you that he is up to the task. Uh, it also is really, it's a really great defining moment for America, right? There's these really good moments that we can have where we can say like, we are fighting for the right causes. We are standing for freedom and liberty. We're helping people that want to be free and stay free. This is something that's at the core of what we should be proud of as Americans. The fact that he's doing it and he's leading the, you know, the free world in that fight, I think is something we all should really be proud of that he's doing. Can I ask you to drill down deeper? You're running for Senate in the state that elected maybe the most famous fighter pilot in American history, or at least recent history. Yeah. Uh, you know, national security is very dear to your state. Uh, we've had a lot of folks on this show from all political angles talking about Ukraine. I've been critical of the fact that Zelensky has to play a game of mother may I here. The next thing they want is F-16s. Do you support uh, the U.S. sending them F-16s? And if so, why or why not? So I do. Like my overall theory about this is that you need, you can't plan for a long war. If you plan for a long war, you're going to get a long war. And unlike what most people think, you know, this is not an insurgency fight. This is a conventional fight. In a conventional fight, the dominant power, if they have it, if they have the time, will win. Right. In the end, they will win. Uh, and right now, we understand that the country, all of our country, our allies, even our own countrymen. Uh, we're already hearing them about their doubts about, you know, giving Ukraine uh, aid. And I'm hoping that we could continue to do it. But like, let's face political reality that there is a very good misinformation campaign that's happening that a lot of uh, Republican colleagues of mine have taken to heart. So we need to end this war as fast as possible. The way to force, uh, you know, Russia to the peace uh, negotiation table is to in a position where they're going to have to, it's in their best interest to do that. Now, that may never happen. It just may end up being that Russia just decides, okay, we're done. We don't have the capability to fight anymore. We're just going to leave and pull out, right? Much like they did in Afghanistan in the early 1980s. Uh, so 
giving them the F-16s, I think, matters because we, the most important thing is we need to have the, the Ukrainians have the ability to go on the offensive. In order for them to really push through these, you know, very static lines that exist, they're going to have to be able to do Western-style fighting, the kind of combined arms tactics that you and I learned when we were in the military. And that the key to that is having some air, air cover. Uh, and right now, they don't they, they don't have that uh, capability with the MiGs that they have. Now, it doesn't have to necessarily be F-16s. I think procuring the MiGs is also fine, but we do need to give them some kind of air cover in order for them to really have a true uh, offensive capability. And again, uh, to try to bring this to a close faster. Okay, so let's talk about the other fight that you're deeply involved in. You know, last time you were on the show was May 6, 2021. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I asked you about Kirsten Cinema, who at that time was a senator, uh, was pissing off yep. you know, pretty much the whole world. <laughs> and I asked you, uh, would you ever challenge her? And what you said is, no, I believe in Senator Cinema. You said she knows how to win in Arizona. She knows how to deliver. So what's yep. what you campaigned for her when you were on last time? Yeah, you wouldn't run against her. What's changed since yep. then? Look, and I, and I am a team player, and I I never expected her to ever be a hundred percent aligned with me politically. Uh, you know, and I always thought that in her hearts of hearts that she would always end up be doing the right things. And in the end, what happened is she created a resume that was just hard to avoid. I mean. Uh, forget the fact that she re registers independent. That's that's a nothing burger, right? Because most people in Arizona vote for the person, not for the party. Um, but the problem is that we sent her to Washington to fight for seniors, not fight for pharmaceutical companies. And she did that. We sent her to, to fight for working class families, and she fought for Wall Street, uh, you know, I bankers and hedge fund managers to keep a very very, uh, very a small tax cut that you know they don't deserve. And and uh, you know that's not what we sent her to do. We sent her to protect us, you know, from uh, using the, you know, through the Voting Rights Act, and she sided with the filibuster. There, there, you know, we could have arguments about the filibuster, but at a minimum, there should probably be exceptions to the filibuster when it comes to Voting Rights Act, considering the history of the filibuster. So she kind of kept on doing this, and at the same time, she just never reached out to back to the community. And I'm not talking to me, you know, I'm an elected official. She doesn't have to be talking to me. I know what's actually what's going on, but she hasn't had a town hall. She hasn't had an open session she's never seen walking out here in an unscripted manner uh and at the end of the day she really has lost the trust of arizonans and she was never going to be able to win this race whether she stayed as a democrat or now she stays independent and we can't have that the, this hands uh, the senate seat needs to be in the hands of someone sane uh and competence and right now especially who the republicans are talking about putting up it doesn't look like they're going to have much of an option either so let's let's pull that apart, right? It's independent Americans. I always want to talk about independent voters and especially yep. veterans, and that's going to be probably the deciding factor in Arizona, like it has been in some other Senate yep. races, right? Now, she might run as a Democrat. She might run as an independent. I want to go deeper on yeah. that. But well, she, I... she, can't, she can't run as a Democrat anymore. Okay, okay. So, by, the so... rules, by the rules of Arizona, yeah. Okay, so she may run as she, she may run as an independent for president. We don't know what she's going right, to do. Right, right, exactly, yeah, yeah. But but independents are going to be key here. And, and one of the questions I want to ask anybody who's who's trying to vie for the votes of independents is how they're going to empower independents. So in, in Arizona right now, if you're an independent, you have to declare to vote in a partisan election. You have you don't have full open primaries. Right. Uh, you can request someone, a ballot for one of them. Yeah. Right. Right. Which which is not a full open primary. So would you support open primaries going forward that would empower all independents to vote, 50 percent of which roughly are veterans themselves? 
Yeah, depending on what it, what it is. Like we want to make sure that independents have access to the ballot, have empowerment, feel that they're not being disenfranchised. You know, there's always different ways to do it, but uh, I would be up for it. I mean, we work pretty well in, in that space right now, but making it easier for independents to pull one of the ballots or be able to participate is not uh, something that we should be afraid of. Yeah, I mean, right now, independent voters in, in Arizona are funding private primaries, right? They're funding Democrat right. and Republican primaries. So there's a push underway. There was an article in, in Arizona Central, you know, uh, last fall by Sarah Smallhouse talking about how the small minorities are determining these important elections. And that's definitely going to be true on the right. It might be true on the left, too. So if there's an effort underway to support full open primaries, you would support that? Yeah, I mean, the devil's in the details, but I think that's something that I would be interested in. I mean, again, I don't think there's any anyone should be afraid of independence voting uh, in primaries. But we have actually found here when people get really excited about candidates, it's actually independents that really surge at the polls during primaries. Uh, and, you know, I'll give you a good example. 2016 and 20, uh, 2016, the biggest surge we had at polls were for Donald Trump and for Bernie Sanders from independents crossing over. So it's something that we're used to. I don't think it's going to be harmful for us to continue it. But of course, I always, you know, caution people, I need to read the details, but it's something I'm not against. So let, let's go further into independence, because I had, you know, uh, Pat, Pat Ryan was on here, ran a very successful race as a Democrat, guy, appealing, yeah. appealing another veteran. You know, you're obviously going to position yourself as a veteran, you're going to try to attack, uh, you know, attract those independent voters. 40% of Latinos in Arizona are registered as independents. It's about 37% right. of Latinos nationally. At the same time, you've got Carrie Lake, who's the presumptive candidate from the right, who's yeah. called, you, called you the AOC of Arizona. You're going, to try <laughs> yeah. to, you're going to try to attract independents, but you're still a Democrat, which has been a challenge yeah. for many Democrats. How are you going to split that? How are you going to be able to run as an independent, well, as a Democrat that's been left of center in, in the Democratic Party, or at least sure. the left of the Democratic Party? How are you going to appeal to independence as a Democrat? Well, first of all, you know, when you talk about 40% of Latinos uh, are independent, those Latinos are Latinos going to be voting for me, because I'm going to talk to them about the issues that they care about. And there's a reason why I always overperform the top of the ticket. I did four points better than Hillary. I did three points better than Biden in my district. Because I attract independents also come vote for me, especially Latino independents. Uh, but look, what are we going to talk to them about? The independent voter in Arizona is very young. This is what people don't understand. It's actually younger than Democratic and Republican voter. So they have different needs and wants. They want to have the American dream. I talk about the American dream, and that is the, the theme of my campaign, because that's truly who, why I'm here, and that's truly what I believe in. And when we talk to uh, the independent voter, we need to talk to them about that. Right now, give you a good example. Arizona, average house is $458,000 to buy a home in Arizona. The average salary for, for a family in Arizona is also $71,000. You're not going to be able to buy a house in Arizona if you're the average person, which a lot of our independents uh, are at this point. So we need to talk to them about how we're going to make housing affordable to them, help them get uh, you know, a, a first-time home buyer, buyer's down payment assistance, right? Because if even if you could afford it, most people, most people buy their first home using an FHA loan. That's 3.5% down. There's a lot of these young independents that don't have 20K walking around money, right? So let's help them get their career going right there. Also, we just need to talk to them about the other things they care about, right? They care about uh, taking care of their seniors. You know, prescription drug prices are still through the roof here in Arizona. People are driving down to Mexico to pick up their pharmaceutical drugs because it's too expensive, even though they come from the same factory in Mexico, right? You shouldn't have to live like that uh, in, in this country. So we're going to talk to them about bread and butter issues. 
Uh, and we're going to talk to the independent veterans like we've always talked to them in an honest manner, showing them that we're patriotic and that we're going to take care of this country and this country's veterans. So, Congressman, if Carrie Lake jumps in from the right, who we know is radical, she's an election denier, I would view her as a threat to our democracy, and you run as a Democrat and Cinema runs as an independent in a state where we don't have ranked choice voting, my yeah. money would be on Lake winning that. So as an independent, no, that, as an independent, a very bad vote. Hold, hold on, but let me, let me, let yeah. me, let me ask you to break that down, right? That, that's, yeah. as an independent, it looks like one of those elections where you and Cinema might beat the heck out of each other and, and Lake could win. Tell, tell me why that wouldn't be the case. And if it was the case, what would you and Cinema do? Well, number one, I'm going to win. It's not going to be the case. But the reason that's going to happen is, is because of two things. Number one, uh, the Republicans cannot hold their own. They can't hold their base, and they haven't been able to do it for a while. And number two, again, we're going to be able to motivate Latinos to the point where we're going to be able to really overcome some of the gaps that would happen in a three-way race. Start, let me finish my thought on that, too. Yeah, though, please. Because right? it is a legitimate scare, right? And like, look. Yeah. I, I'm a patriot, and I would not risk this Senate seat falling in the hands of a traitor like Carrie Lake, right? Um, but my thing is, Kirsten Cinema can't be Carrie Lake head to head. Every poll has her losing because there's so many people upset with what she's done. Now, the last poll that just came out had me in a three-way race beating Carrie Lake in a third place. Not just Carrie Lake, even the so-called moderate Doug Ducey. I'm beating him. So we're beating everybody because we have a, a campaign that number one reaches out to all Americans. Number two, we're going to motivate a lot of people that haven't been voting for quite a while, uh, and we have the messaging on our side. So you know, at the end of the day, we're going to have the campaign that can win this, and I just don't think she has it. So I hope you'll come back over the course of the next you know year and a half that this is underway. Yeah, let me, to. but let me press you on that one point. So let's say it doesn't work out that way, and it looks like you and you you and Cinema at the end. Uh, it's going to be mutual annihilation, and neither one of you refuses to leave. <laughs> neither one of you refuses to leave, and the world is going to be yeah. stuck with Carrie Lake. What are you going to do, man? Well, look, it's not going to be that way. If you see the last couple of races, for example, even in Oregon, where there was an independent running and we've got the Republican win, at the end of the day, Democrats come home to the strongest candidate. We're going to be the strongest candidate. Last time this happened with the Democrat was in 2002 with Governor Politano. Again, the Democrat won. The, the, the Democrat has won. So we're not going to be in that situation. We're going to run the race that's going to be the strongest race possible. We're going to make history by being the first Latino ever elected to the Senate and, and don't think that won't turn out the vote. Uh, and uh, at the end of the day, uh, that's that's going to be it. You know, we're, we're going to have the I appreciate campaign. your certainty. But when you were on a year and a half ago, you also told me, no, you wouldn't run against Kirsten Sinema. Uh, Kirsten Sinema. I, didn't so. think, I didn't think you'd go that crazy on us, though. That's why. <laughs> OK, so, you, so I'm going to, you know, I, basically you, it's a push, right? Like, but th this is very real concern, I think, for everybody. Right. And, I, and it's it's doom on all sides. Right. Cinema deserves yeah. responsibility here, too. But it's entirely possible that we could come down to a situation where it doesn't go sure. like the way you want. You're a Marine. You know, you can plan for most dangerous course of action. And I think that's what many yeah, you know, watchers are concerned about is that there will be this grudge match between you and cinema and, and Lake will end up coasting through it. Yeah, I don't think the grudge match is going to be between us and cinema. It's going to be between her and the Republican, to be honest. Number two, she, I don't, uh, maybe people don't understand. Arizona's a very competitive state. Cinema has no support. She has no one that's going to go door knocking for her, doing the phone calls. Uh, yes, she's registered for independence, but independence still volunteer for the Democratic Party. So she basically only has the whatever she could fundraise, which isn't going to be that much, uh, and in the hopes that maybe some rich people will come and bail her out through, through independent expenditure. But the functional aspects of the campaign, 
are gone. And she's going to be have a very tough time to win this. I think this this is why we're going to watch this race, especially so closely, because I think a lot of people assume things about independence. And in this show yes. for three years now, we've been exploring what it means to be an independent. Right. I don't think we know who independents are in Arizona until we're really going to find out. Right. Especially yeah. with the next generation of voters, especially if you've got um, more veterans uh, engaging in this process. Yep. We're going to find out who independents are. So you're placing yep. a bet. She might make a bet. Carrie Lake might make a bet. And, you know, a year and a half from now, we're going to find out. And this might be the most important race in America for independence. I certainly think so. And look, what we've seen in independence in Arizona is they are Democratic leaning. Uh, and they vary. There are conservative, conservative independents, and there's actually liberal independents. And so we have to make sure that we actually get the right mix and make sure that we get them out. And you've said you're going to run, you know, you said you're going to stand with Joe Biden, despite the fact that he might drag you down in Arizona. The Democratic brand is something I would say might be dragging you down more than you're anticipating in Arizona. But you don't see it that way. You're all in on the Democratic Party and look, all in on Biden. Independents aren't, aren't idiots. They're not going to be like, oh, Ruben Thornley is not campaigning with Joe Biden. Therefore, he's more independent. No, that's just fake. That's fake bullshit politics, right? You are who you are. You run how you are. You run with your party. And if you disagree with your party, then you say you disagree with your party. But trying to run away from the top of the ticket is dumb. Own it, fight for it, and go all the way with it, or else you will lose because you're going to have a lot of people that are not going to have that intensity. They're not going to feel your authenticity. And it's dumb when politicians do that, and it rarely ever pays off. Mm. Okay, I, I respect your passion. I think what's going to happen most often with independents is they choose the lesser of two evils. And they're not crazy about Democrats. They're not crazy about Republicans. And if you're able to push cinema out and you're less, you know, radical to them, whether it's fair or not, right, is then they'll pull the lever for you instead of Carrie Lake. But I do think that independents are, are really sick of both parties and, and the candidates who decouple themselves from that are going to attract more of them than those who don't. But, but we'll see. Let me let me ask mm -hmm. you a quick question. I know you got to go and go to the barbershop and do all the campaigning. Uh, Afghanistan investigations. This seems like a bipartisan thing. Uh, you're a veteran with a lot of status. You've served in Iraq. Are you going to support, you know, it's been two years now. We, no one's been held accountable for this despicable collapse in Afghanistan. As our allies continue to die, you've been a very vocal proponent of the Afghan Adjustment Act. Are you going to support investigations and actually holding somebody accountable? Yeah, I certainly think, first of all, we should have an investigation. I think the investigation should cover both administrations because let's not forget some of the stuff that led up to the to the withdrawal was also a cause of how was the the so-called peace negotiated so as long as it's a comprehensive investigation that covers both both um both administrations and it's done in a in, in mostly nonpartisan way because it's impossible not to be uh i think we should continue for it because we need to learn what happened and learn from the mistakes going into the future great last question uh, you're a veteran. You're going to be a voice for veterans. VA Secretary Dennis McDonough is not a veteran. Uh, he's been in there two years. Uh, he's made some some headway. He's still facing some some criticism, especially around electronic record keeping, execution, not changing the motto. If you had to give Dennis McDonough a letter grade, because he's going to be very important, especially to voters in Arizona. What kind of grade would you give Dennis McDonough for his performance so far? I think so. So far, I think he's a B, B plus. Um, the electronic records. Trust me, I just had to go adjust my records. Yeah. It is, it is talent. It has some help with a lot of administrations. Uh, he had a great rollout with the PAC Act. I was very happy about that. The town halls were very successful. I think he's been doing a lot of work even prior to the PAC Act to make sure that veterans uh, 
had presumed coverage for some of the diseases that we were getting because of uh, uh, burn pits. So that's good. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of room to grow always the VA, like the Arizona VA, seems to be a hospital is something that continually needs work uh, and it is getting better. Thank, thank, thank you, Lord, on that. Uh, but it does need more work. Uh, but, you know, so far, uh, you know, compared to a lot of other VA uh, secretaries, I think he has done better work than, than some of them. Than most thank of them, I should say. Thank you. Our last shout out for Arizona, because I don't know if you're going to be there. I want to give a shout out to the Pat Tillman Foundation that was featured at the Super Bowl. Pat's yeah. run is coming up April 15th, 2023. I tell everybody it should be on their bucket list. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be there, but if not, I hope you can spread the word and encourage people yep. to do it. I always do. I, I don't know if I'm running this year, but I certainly have in the past. Excellent. Congressman, thank you for your time. Thank you for being an inspiration. Thank you. So many veterans wishing you all the best. I hope you'll come back again and talk to us soon. I will, Paul. Adios. Thank you, my friend. Stay Bye. vigilant. Will do. chugga chugga the helpers are out there get on board you can see ruben gallego is one of them now i don't agree with him on a lot of his politics and you might not either or you might be all in but i do support his willingness to serve especially his fellow veterans now i'm not endorsing him but i encourage you to check out his campaign site follow him on twitter and social media and decide for yourself and be sure to stay on him especially about open primaries. His website is gallegoforarizona.com, and we'll link to it in the show notes. He's a guy who's deep in the arena, and he's trying to push this country in a generally positive direction. And he's definitely a helper. Always look for the helpers. There, were, there will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines. If you want to be inspired by other people who are on the helper train, Check the hashtag Look for the Helpers on Twitter, on Facebook, on all social media platforms, and share yours. And while you're on social, you can get on board and play Guest the Guest with me every Wednesday night. Last week, we had the great chef Robert Irvine. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you didn't, go check it out. And lots of you guessed, but very few of you got it. Nate Holdstein, our old friend and an avid listener, got it on Instagram. And there was big news, a major derailment. Holy smokes. The streak was broken, and our guest, the guest goat, the greatest of all time, actually missed one. Yes, Delfino Sanchez in Houston, Texas, missed one. Here's what he wrote. Hi, Paul. I'm likely overlooking a big clue, but I'll give it a try. Could it be the great and powerful chef Jose Andres? He guessed Jose Andres. He was wrong. Holy cow, Delfino, you're off your game. You got one wrong, but I appreciate you playing. He also shared that he loved pod number 209 with Rocky Blyer. A lot of folks did. And he said he's a human. He's not a Russian cheat bot. Well, we now know that, Delfino, because you actually got one wrong. But I thank you for playing. And I thank others for playing. We got some early picks on Ruben Gallego when I posted it this afternoon. Chris Hamilton was one of many who guessed Kirsten Cinema. He said, Senator Cinema signs in the back maybe think it's Kirsten, which would be interesting for sure. Sorry, Chris, that is the wrong answer, but not an uncommon one. Dave Medina also guessed Cinema, And the answer was no, not yet. 
Now, she's definitely on the political crazy train, and I definitely would love to have her on this show, but not yet. There was one winner. Emma Knightley correctly guessed Ruben Gallego. She wrote, Ruben Gallego is my guest. Emma Knightley is, according to her Twitter bio, no one of consequence. You, well, you are a person of consequence because you correctly guessed the guest. Emma, congratulations. You can join them, get on board every Wednesday night, play guest the guest, and please go to independentamericans.us where you can get video of this show, you can get video of all shows, you can buy some merch, and you can join our Patreon community. Get on board there and join our Patreon members. Big shout out to all of you. And my apologies, no extra content this time with Ruben Gallego, but you did hear about him early. If you're a Patreon member, you always get an early preview of the upcoming train, the upcoming episode, and you get the episode without any ads and more extras to come, including an advanced preview next week of what will be a very big and exciting returning guest. That's all at independentamericans.us. And a reminder, every Thursday at 11.15 a.m. Eastern or so, you can check me out in a weekly segment on News Nation with Marnie Hughes. We talk about national security, vets, political news, always focusing on Ukraine. I will go deeper on Biden's secret trip to Ukraine. Check that out on News Nation. It's on your cable network, or you can go to newsnation.com. And last week, we tried something new. We tried a Friday midday Zoom lunch with me, and we're going to keep it up. So this Friday, February 24th, and every Friday at 12 Eastern, we're going to do a Zoom happy hour. We can just be happy. We don't have to necessarily drink any alcohol. We can have coffee. We can hang. I'll answer your questions. I'll take your suggestions. Maybe we'll have some special guests stop by. But every Friday at noon on Zoom, we will have a Friday Independent Americans Happy Hour. Look for a link in the show notes. If you're a Patreon member, we'll email you a link. And you can find it on social media and our website. But every Friday at 12 Eastern, jump on board. Join me for a special Independent Americans conversation. America may be more divided than ever, but we at Independent Americans and Righteous Media are working to change that, adding light to contrast the heat of all those other political freight trains. So declare your independence. Leave the herd. If you're among the 50% of Americans who are independent, you know this is the train you want to ride. All are welcome, even if you're not an independent. If you're independent curious, we invite you to get on board and be a part of the solution. Get on the independent train of sanity. And our independent movement is part of the solution and chugging along, bringing people together in new ways around shared values and a spirit of country over party, people over politics. And we are indeed chugging along. Chuggington is a kid's show that my kids still love. And it's about this fictional town of Chuggington where there are these young uh, anthropomorphic locomotives, which means they kind of have human traits, right, called trainees. And they're characters like Coco and Brewster and Hoot and Toot and Piper. And they all try to learn the value of loyal friendship and telling the truth and listening carefully and persisting over adversity and working together. The locomotives are called chuggers, and they all work together to try to achieve goals. It's fun, it's positive, it's instructive, and it's about a bunch of trains working together to make things work. And like any good train system, 
it's a thing of beauty with everyone working together. And that's what our independent movement is too. It's pragmatic, it's practical, and it's inspiring. And it's about the greatest good over the individual or the party. And it's a movement and a train that's gaining steam. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Congressman Ruben Gallego. If you did, please share it far and wide. Be sure to subscribe and invite others to get on board this train of independence. Stay vigilant, my friend, because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And know you're not alone in your vigilance. We're all vigilant, and we're all on this train together. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thank you for listening. Down with Putin. Slava Ukraine. And stay vigilant, America. Choo-choo! Powered by Righteous Media.